Thanks, Daniel. Well, my name is Ron Cool. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's a joy to uh, welcome all of you here. Again, a special word of welcome if you're here for the first time or just kind of checking things out. Five weeks ago, we started a sermon series about corporate worship, really about what we're doing right now, uh, about when we come together as God's people into God's presence. And we said, what happens here? How does this work? Why do we do this? And, and what's the purpose of it? And what are the different parts? And we said, one of the things that happens in worship is that, is that God speaks to us and then we speak back to God. That, that God greets us at the beginning and we confess our sins and, and, and there's this dialogue going on. That God speaks to us, we speak to God, we speak to and we encourage each other. And, and then we spent four weeks talking about what are some of the things that we say to God in worship. We said that we give praise to God, right? We say, God, we love you. You are awesome. You are amazing. We confess our sins to God. We say, God, we're sorry. We, we, we say to God, God, we have needs. We pray for people who are sick, for Ben and for others, and, and, and we pray for healing, and we pray for healing in our world, and we bring the needs of the world before God. We bring our needs to God, and then we also offer our lives to God. We say, God, we will follow you. God, we want to be where you want us to be. We want to do what you want us to do. We've been talking about the things that we say to God in worship, and now we're going to kind of turn the corner a little bit and spend the next two weeks talking about not the things specifically that God says, but what I want to think about is what are some of the ways that God speaks to us in a worship service? How, how do we hear God's voice during this time together? If this is really something that we believe is that, is that God speaks to us, that God gathers here with us, that God uh, is, gives his voice to us, how does that happen? I want to talk about two things this week and then two things next week, all right? So first one, most important one, the clearest one is God speaks to us in our individual lives, but also in our communal lives in worship through his word, through the Bible. We believe that when we read from this book, when we read from the Bible, when, when, when we open our ears to that, that we, we are hearing God speak to us, that this is the clearest way that God is speaking to us. And, and I want to say three things about the Bible that I think can help us as we try to understand, well, how do we listen to it, okay? It's an interesting thing. There's actually quite a bit of scripture in our services. I'll show it to you in just a minute. But how do we listen? How do we listen to God's word? It's not as easy as it necessarily sounds like, right? I mean, we say, yes, I, I listen. But sometimes I've already decided it's too hard to listen to somebody else read the Bible, so I check out. I'll wait till the sermon or I can tell me what it meant. But, but, but that's, that's, we've got to recognize this is God's word, and we want to hear God speak to us. So three things. First of all, we, we believe that the Bible is God's word, that this is not just some human words. This is not just uh, words that somebody wrote down. We believe it was written by human beings, but ultimately we believe it was inspired by and controlled by God. 2 Timothy 3.16, right? All scripture, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful, right, for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And so, so we believe that when somebody reads this book, when somebody quotes this book, we are hearing the voice of God. We are hearing the voice of God. And, 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 and so the church has, in different ways throughout the years, has tried to recognize how do, we, how do we think about that? How do we respond to that? How do we recognize how important this book is? How do we recognize that this is not just any other book, but that it is God's word? Some churches, some churches, in order to try to highlight that, will have what's called a Bible processional, right? Maybe you've been in a church where they do this. The, 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 the woman in front there uh, is, is carrying the Bible, and there's this recognition that this is God's word. 
And, and, and there's something kind of cool about that. I, it, I don't think it necessarily fits with who we are. We talk about it, though. But, but that's one of the ways. That's why they do that. It's not because the Bible is some magic book. But, but it's to say this is God's word, and we want to recognize it, and we want to honor it. And, and if we were Eastern Orthodox, if we were in the Eastern Orthodox tradition, we would kiss the Bible. They'll come forward after a service or before a service or sometime, and they will kiss the Bible. Some churches stand when Scripture is read, at least one time. Stand to say, we, we, we listen to the Word of God, and we respect it by standing up. And actually, you stand for Scripture sometimes, even if you don't know it. I'll tell you in a minute, all right? Some churches do that. Some churches, when the Scripture reading is done, the person who read it says, this is the Word of the Lord, and everybody else responds, thanks be to God. I, I, I don't know how the best way to do that is, but... It's kind of an interesting thing to think, how do, we, how do we recognize that this book is, it's God's word. Some churches, uh, maybe I remember not as many these days, but I remember going sometimes to churches to pray. They'd have Bibles that were about like this big, you know, and about that thick, right? And, and it was always there in the front. And on the one hand, you can say that's silly. But on the other hand, what it was trying to say is, this is how God speaks to us. This book has, has God's word in it, okay? So I, 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 exactly how we do that, I don't know, but I think it's an interesting thing to try to say, how do we recognize that the clearest, most powerful way God speaks to us is through his word? So the Bible, w- when we read it, we're reading God's word. Second, we want to say the Bible is powerful. It's not a magic book, okay? But, but it does have the power of God in it to change us, to challenge us, to confront us. Listen to these words from Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says this, For the word of God is alive. The word of God is active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrows. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. God's word has the ability to confront me and to, and, and, and to show me where my brokenness is and to, to inspire me, to bring me to Christ. Jesus himself in Matthew 4 verse 4, he was quoting, quoting scripture. He, he says, Jesus answered, It is written... In the Bible, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. The word of God gives us life, right? The word of God has power. It, it challenges us. It strengthens us. It feeds us. It shapes us. So it's God's word. It has power. And so when we listen to it, we want to listen to it to be changed, to be shaped. And, 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 and then the third thing I want to say is that the Bible is God's word for us. Okay? It's God's word for us. Now, let's be honest about something here. It was not written first to us. Okay? No part of the Bible was written first to this congregation or first to any individual here. And we need to recognize that, that there is a distance there, that we need to interpret, that we need to understand. But I think sometimes we've, we've gotten so used to saying, well, the Bible was written to somebody else, that we don't recognize that, yes, it was written to somebody else, but I think we can say that it was also written for us. That God had us in mind. That when we read the scripture, we say, God, what do you want to say to me today? And again, it's going to be related clearly to what was said before and what God meant in the past on that. But part of what we want to say is, you know, God, what are you saying to me today? And I think for many of us, we, we've been trained to study the Bible and to take it apart. But never, not often maybe, let me put it that way, not often to just listen to God's word as God's word to me. That God is speaking to me. That the God who created all things is speaking to me. Let me give you a couple of examples. Let's take, for example, Romans 1, verse 7. 
book written to Romans, right? Written in 57, 58 AD, something like that, a little under 2,000 years ago. Okay, so this is not a letter that is written to us, and we recognize that. On the other hand, it is a letter that is written to God's people. And if we are God's people, then, then we can read the next words. We, we can read these words, who are loved by God. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people. That's you. That's me. I am loved by God. I'm called to be his holy people. Grace and peace to you. From our God and Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you. Grace and peace to me. To, to hear God's word. Yeah, I, I mean, so often, again, I think when we read God's word, we read it to study it, to learn what God had to say to them. But I think part of what we want to learn to do is to see what it says to us. Isaiah, Isaiah 1, again, written in 750 B.C., more than 2,700 years ago. Isaiah is talking to the people of Judah. This is the word of God to them. But it's also the word of God to you this morning. Come, let's settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are as red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Your sins, gone, written for you and for me. So there's that, that, that understanding that and, and recognizing that God speaks to us. The Bible is for us. It's got power. It is God's word. So God speaks to us through the Bible. Now, let me just point out, where do we, where do we read or hear or quote or paraphrase the Bible in, in our services. You might say, well, sometimes in the passage, I mean, Ron, you've read it a couple of times now, but that's the only time we open the Bible during a service. No, it's not. We don't always say that we're opening the Bible, but did you know that, that at the beginning of every service when we do a greeting from God and at the end of the service when we do a, a parting blessing from God, most of the time what we're doing is either quoting directly or paraphrasing Scripture at the beginning of the service, Daniel did it here. He said, please stand. And he didn't say for the word of God, but what he did is he quoted, basically, paraphrased, paraphrased, grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. So, I, I mean, we see that throughout Scripture. And then at the end, I'm going to have you stand, and I'm going to say, the grace of Jesus Christ be with you, or something like that, all right? And, and, and so we see this. Again, if we look at Paul's letters, Ephesians 1, verse 2. Grace and peace to you. Daniel added mercy, okay? God, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Mercy is good. He can do that. But, but it's, I mean, we're really quoting scripture there, okay? At the end of the service, at the end of Paul's letter, grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love, right? So it's, we don't say we're scro- quoting scripture there, but we are, and we have you stand for that. So that's one of those places where we actually do stand for scripture. Sometimes we use a passage from the Old Testament that some of you will recognize, number six. God says to Moses, this is how you are, bless the people. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. It's, it's, it's scripture, Okay. The, the Bible is there. God's powerful, alive word is speaking to us at those times in the greeting, in a, in a, in a, in a parting blessing, in a call to worship, right? This morning we did Hebrews 1, and, and Steve read that to us, read that for us, that God speaks to us now through his son. Sometimes it's from a psalm, Psalm 96 or 95, verse 1. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation, in a call to worship, sometimes in an assurance of pardon, when we have a a more formal time of confessing our sins, and sometimes we use the Bible to call us to confession, but in an assurance of pardon, 
Psalm 103, 11 and 12. We might read something like this. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Okay, and so we're hearing the word of God. That dialogue is continuing. We say, God, we're sorry. God says, you are forgiven. As far as the east is from the west, all right? So in assurance of pardon, in songs, a lot of the songs we sing here, are, are really rooted in Scripture. Some of them just taken directly out of it. Some of them, that's the way it's always been for the church. Great is thy faithfulness. Go read Lamentations 3, right? Your mercies are new every morning. We're going to, after the sermon, we're going to sing a number of songs again as we've done the last few weeks. But we're going to sing how deep the Father's love for us. The, the first stanza, how deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure that he should make, should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. And what I want to suggest is if you go home and read Ephesians 2 and 3, it's exactly what Paul is talking about. And I'm going to quote for you before we sing this song after the sermon. I'm going to quote for you Ephesians 3 about how Paul prays that we can grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. All right? So in our songs, we are uh, trying to to hear God's word and and we're reading God's word. And, And then before and or during a sermon, okay, hopefully... We hear God's word there. We, we listen to it that way. So, all right, there, there are other places as well. But so, so there are a number of places during a worship service when we're sitting here when Scripture is being read or quoted or paraphrased. How do we listen? How do we listen when somebody is, is reading the Scriptures? How do we listen together? Four things, and, and I think they just kind of, you'll get them from what I was talking about. We listen with, with respect. And I got to tell you, that... I'm challenging myself first there because it is so easy for me to become so familiar with the Bible. It's so easy for me to say, oh, I know what this is. I don't have to listen. I can think about that. But this is God's word, right? This is God's word. And, I, and I, I was just, I've been trying to think all week around, how do I help myself? What do I need to do to help myself really just respect and, and listen to God's word? And, and again, it's so hard. We come up with the ways to do that, and then they become rituals that are not necessarily helpful. But I think, you know, how often haven't I leaned over to Daniel and said something while somebody else is reading Scripture? And I'm thinking, seriously? God's talking to me, and I'm whispering to Daniel? I mean, I, I love you, Daniel, but I should be listening to God, right? I, I mean, so with, with respect, with a humble and open heart, that God's Word has the power to shape us. When I listen, I say, God... You know more than I do. And God, I want to hear your voice with expectation, right? That God speaks to us with that sense of expectation and then ready to, to take it to heart and put it into action, all right? And, 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 and so we listen, not just to say, okay, yep, that's, that's right. It's, no, God, speak to me because your word brings, it's the bread of life. Your word brings me Jesus. And so I want to listen. When God speaks, I want to listen. So that's the first one I, I wanted us to think about, that God speaks through his word, through the Bible. And again, that's clear. There's no question about that. The next one is an interesting one that I didn't want to take a whole sermon on. I really, well, I wanted to take a whole series on. But God speaks to us, we believe, through a sermon. We believe that God speaks through a sermon. Now, the Bible is infallible. A sermon is not. I will be the first one to tell you that. But, but it's, it's really an amazing thing to recognize that, that throughout Scripture, throughout 
throughout history, people have said, you know what, when somebody is teaching the word of God, when somebody is preaching, they really are somehow God is speaking to us through that. God, God is speaking to us. And so you listen for the word of God as I preach. And, and by God's grace, maybe sometimes it's there. <laughs> by God's grace, you, you might hear God's word. So I want to think about preaching for just a little bit. I want to try to tell you what what I see my calling as, what I think you pay me for, why you pay me, and so on, and what this is about. So, so I want to think about what is happening when, when someone is preaching a sermon, okay? Many of you listen to thousands of sermons, right? You've listened to them over. So what's going on in that time? What is happening when someone is preaching a sermon? For a real quick and easy definition, what I want to su- suggest is that the preacher should be, I'd like to say is, <laughs> but the sh- preacher should be, and, and, and these are words that are in job descriptions for us in our churches, in our tradition, but should be explaining, interpreting, and applying God's word. That's what a sermon is. It's an attempt to explain, interpret, and apply God's word. So again, clearly one of the things we have to recognize is that a sermon should be based on God's word. A sermon should come out of God's word. The authority of a sermon is primarily insofar as it brings the authority of God's word, Right? It's seeking to say that. In a sermon, my goal is never to give you advice from me. Friends, we are in deep weeds, if that's all you ever get. It's not my job to tell you what I think is wrong with the world. It's my job to try to hear the voice of God and then bring the voice of God to you. Now, sometimes that's based on one scripture passage. In some ways, that's, that's the best. We go through a whole book or something. Sometimes, like in this one, we gather scriptures from different places, okay? And, and we try to bring them together, and we try to look at it. So here's, here's my understanding of, I read this about 30 years ago. Uh, this is my kind of understanding. It comes from Tom Long uh, of what a preacher is, okay? A preacher is someone, he says, Uh, something like this. I'm paraphrasing again. It's someone who has studied God's word and now brings the treasures of that study to people. Okay? And let me try to give you an image of that. Let me try to... Long uses an illustration, an image of of a cavern. Okay? And so here we are. This is a cavern. And I want you to imagine this is God's word. Okay? This is a text. This is one passage. All right? And, And it's filled with treasure. There's all sorts of treasure. Texts have all sorts of treasures, just like a, a cave might. I mean, in this cave, you've got stalactites over here. They're tights because they have to hold on tight. They're the ones that hang down. Stalagmites over here. You've got these volcano kind of hot lava things over here. And, and then up on the top there, you've got these flowers and, and, and these things hanging down. And so when you read the scriptures, in some ways, it's like going into a cave, right? Because it's not always easy. And, and it's challenging, and, and there are a lot of different things to see. Now, one of the things that we believe here is that every passage, every text, and, and, and this should be our goal in a sermon or in a Bible study or when you're studying the Bible personally yourself, is going to have one major treasure. Okay, there's one main point. There's one major treasure. And, and one of the challenges is not to get caught up in all the other things along the way. <laughs> Right? There are a lot of interesting things to look at, but each cave, as it were, has kind of one major lesson, one major purpose, and, and our goal is to hear that word of God. All right? So, now, what does Ron do? What is my job? All right, up here we'll put Hillside. The building kind of looks like it. It's brown. Anyway, so Hillside is up there. So, what do I do during the week? Not much. No. What do I do during the week? What you pay me to do is to go cave exploring, Okay? So let's imagine that the text is 1 Samuel 17, which is the story of David and Goliath. 
Okay, where David, the shepherd boy, kills Goliath, the giant, with hitting him with a, a stone in the forehead from a slingshot. All right, so let's imagine that's the text. So Ron, during the week or weeks before, is going to go out, and, and I leave my study, kind of, so to speak, and I go down into the cave, and I start to work my way around. Now, I'm not the first one to ever go into this cave, right? There are others who spent a lot of time in this cave, and, and, and they've drawn maps, and they've given ideas, and so there are these commentaries that I might look at, right? While I'm doing my study in the cave, I'm going to look at that. Now, these are not the Word of God, but, but others who have spent a lifetime studying this have said, you know what, let me tell you a little bit about some of the features. So I might get to a place like this and say, uh, you know, okay, so Saul was from Gath. All right, who cares? That doesn't mean anything. But there, maybe somebody will say, no, no, let me tell you a little bit about Gath. And so you find a way to kind of break through there and to go over there. And you see this little cool thing, all right, about why it's important. And I won't explain it to you now. But you just say, that's pretty cool. Saul is from Gath. And Gath shows up at different times in the Bible. This is what the city, or the giant, rather, uh, Goliath, was from, from Gath. And so, you know, it, it, so you learn a little bit about that, but that's it's not the main point. And so I said, well, let's move over here. And so we come here, and then we get these stalactites there. And it's kind of like, okay, so David tried on, at one point in the story, David tried on Saul's armor. That's interesting. It didn't fit. So it's certainly interesting. It is. But it's not the main point. And, and, and so you keep going, right? You keep exploring. I spent time ago all over. I try to kind of get a lay of the land, and finally I come here. I mean, I've noticed some other things. Do you know that he picks up five smooth stones? David picks up five smooth stones. Why five? I don't know. It's interesting, but it's not the main point. They're smooth. Why smooth? I don't know. It's interesting, but it's not the main point. But let's imagine that we come to this, and I would suggest that in this case, what it would be is, is 1 Samuel 17, 37, where David says this, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. That's what the treasure is. That's what the treasure is. That's what this passage is all about, that David says God delivers. And I don't have to be afraid of this enemy, this giant Goliath who is out there, because the Lord who delivered me in the past is the Lord who will deliver me in the future. And I say, boom, that's the treasure. That's the treasure. So I run back to my study, okay, so to speak, um, I'm actually there the whole time. Okay, I don't go out. But I go back there. And then comes the second big question for a preacher. How do I share that with you? You've, you've given me time. You've set me aside to study, to go caving. Now, how do I share that with you? How do I bring you along? And that's what we're trying to do right now. You know, in, in, in a lot of ways, ideally what we do is, is I say, come on, let me show you what's going on here. Let me show you this, and I bring you down into the cave so you'll learn a little more about how to walk through the cave, how to read the Bible, right? And I say, look at this. Isn't this amazing? This is so fantastic. This is true in our lives today. Now, sometimes it's, it's really a challenge to try to bring everybody to, to those places, and so, again, it's not as good, but sometimes you say, you know what? I'm going to take this truth, and I'm going to just bring it up to you. I'm going to say, trust me, it was there, <laughs> but... but <laughs> You can't do that too often. <laughs> but sometimes it's, it's that. So, so you try to figure out. And, and, and so what happens in a sermon is I'm saying, look, and that's why I love my job, this part of my job, uh, not all of it. But this is why I love my is, is, is I get to go, go exploring. When I'm studying, I'm exploring. 
I'm checking it out, and I'm finding treasures. And then I find one, I say, this is God's word for us this morning. And now I get to share it with you, that God speaks to us through his word and through a sermon, all right? This image, I think, can also help us understand, I don't want to take a lot of time on this, but it can help us understand why sermons sometimes go bad, okay? Why sermons sometimes get difficult. Well, sometimes what happens is the preacher is really busy, maybe a wedding and a funeral and and so on, and the preacher doesn't always have time or doesn't think as clearly as he or she should. The preacher doesn't have time to kind of get a a straight path for how the preacher is going to bring you into that place where the treasure is. And sometimes it's like, oh yeah, well we go a little bit this way and then we turn, we'll flip around, we go all over the place. And, 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 and by the time the preacher gets to the main point, everybody's lost. You've listened to some sermons like that. Never here, but in other places, you've listened to some sermons like that, right? Where it's like, I don't think that person knew where he was going. And, and sometimes I do that, right? It's, it's like, I know, I, I know where I want to end up, but I didn't take enough atten- pay enough attention to say, how do I help you get from those seats to this treasure? How do I help you get from those seats to this field where David is saying, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the bear and the paw of the lion will deliver me from the hand of the Philistines. Sometimes I get so interested in, in suits of armor and in gath and in five stones that it's just like, whoa. Sometimes sermons go bad, they get out of line, because, because we missed the main point. Sometimes the sermon just kind of brings us to Gath, and you walk out and you go, who cares? I don't think that was a big treasure. It happens, friends. The Bible is infallible. I am not. Daniel is not, all right? Sometimes the preacher's so excited about study, and it's fun, it is. And what it is, is I wanted to show you everything, right? So the sermon becomes this really fast discussion of everything in the passage. Sometimes, sometimes there's another way of kind of showing you all these that don't really worry about a journey. We just say, you got to check this out, and then check this out, and then check this out, and check this out, and check that out. And you say, what was that sermon about? I mean, was it about the balloons, or was it about the uh, condensation, or the flowing water? Was it about, was it about brothers, because Eliab, the older brother, said something? Is it about armor? Is it about preparing to win at business? What, what in the world? We talked about eight different things. Preaching is not easy. Okay, that's my really point here, okay? Sometimes sermons, sometimes, you know, when we're trying to bring the truth to you, sometimes, well, it, it sometimes gets a little twisted, <laughs> And, and it's like, yeah, I, I, you're using the right words, but I don't think that's exactly what God had in mind. Ideally, again, a sermon is one where we end up in the right place, where, where that study pays off, and we experience that, and we hear the word of God. Now, again, please do not take this as to say, good, it's Ron's job to read bi- the Bible. We don't have to. No, it's all of our jobs to continue to s- explore the caves. But this is something we do in a sermon together. That's why I say a a preacher is somebody who has studied God's word, who has gone exploring, and now brings the treasures of that study into God's people. So how do we listen to a sermon? How do we listen to a sermon? All right? Start, and I ask you this, by praying for the preacher during the week. Pray for those of us here who are going to preach or teach or do whatever that we can explore well, that we can see the path that we can create a clear path. Pray for us. Listen with a sense of expectation. Again, really, I I, I really believe that God will speak to us through that. Listen with a humble and open heart, ready to be shaped. 
Again, this is based on God's word. We're seeking to hear that. Listen with discernment because we're basing it on God's word. But to say, hold on, is that, is that right or do we get caught in the wrong place? You, you, bring your heads. Okay, listen with discernment. Is it really God's word or is this just Ron's idea? Listen with grace, please. Listen with grace because it, it's, again, a great joy and an honor and a privilege to bring God's word. It's not always easy. And then listen with a willingness to lovingly encourage the preacher to keep learning how to get better at finding and sharing treasures. Okay? I want to. I want to, more than anything else, continue and learn and get better at bringing God's word, not mine, but God's word, so that we can hear God speak to us. So those are the two for this morning. All right, through his word and through the sermon. And, and as we've done the last few weeks, again, we're going to do this morning, we're going to spend some time, we're going to spend some time, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to quote some scripture, we're going to sing some songs, and as we do this, you can stand, you can sit, we'll probably all stand together at some points, but, but as you do this, if you want to stop singing, you just listen. Listen to the word of God in the song. Listen to the word of God as he speaks to you. This is going to be a time of recognizing that when we come into worship, God speaks to us. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Father, Father, you love us. That's amazing. And you speak to us. You, you, you want to tell us who we are, who you are, how much you love us, what you call us, how, where life is. God, we want to hear your word. God, we want to hear your word. And so right now, we humble our hearts. God, we open up our hearts and we say, speak to us, Lord. Speak to us so that we will be shaped and made alive so that we will see Jesus, that we will see the one who brings us life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.